الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان اكرمكم عند الله اتقاكم وقال تعالى انما يتقبل الله من المتقين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغنني بالعلم وزينني بالحلم واكرمني بالتقوى وجملني بالعافيه او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مسستكتر علماء الكرام برادرز اند ايلدرز among the many many duas of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam this is also one of the very comprehensive duas which allah's nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam made which it by means of making this dua taught us to make dua 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 is asking and begging of allah taala hazrat umar radhiyallahu taala on one occasion he said that who is ajazun nas the most helpless of all people person who is totally helpless the person who is most helpless is the person who is unable to even ask allah taala a person says well i can't get to so and so because i want him to help me but his phone is always engaged i'm dialing him he's not answering my call or so and so i need an appointment with him but he's not giving me an appointment or that person well he just doesn't want to take any pay any attention to me i'm getting to him but he's chasing me away so all these kind of situations can happen with people but allah taala is forever ready to listen to the duas of those who beg of him ud'uni astajib lakum allah taala in the quran sharif himself says that call unto me i will answer your call but the person is meant to call in the way that follows the correct procedure of asking and begging of allah taala so in any case dua this is the ready prescription that we have been given by rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam to take from the treasures of allah taala and nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam's life was filled with dua apart from the masnoon duas as we call them the masnoon duas at all the various occasions the formal manner of begging allah taala and a great part of the night would go in this kind of communion with allah tabaarak wa taala asking allah taala begging of him and all the very important occasions those occasions were filled with dua more than anything else dua the peak of all the ibadat the culmination of it comes to hajj all the other ibadat are done daily some annually some more or less but then comes once in a lifetime hajj and in this peak of hajj the day of arafa is at the peak of hajj itself so hajj is at the peak of ibadat and the climax of hajj is in arafa al hajj arafa rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says in the hadith sharif that hajj hajj is all about arafa 
The person who has been in Arafah, his hajj got done. But if the person made, did every other amal, but he didn't get to Arafah, then there's no hajj. She is that very, very crucial moment in the time of that haji. The peak of all his amal of hajj. And Rasulullah the ulama calculate that the time that was spent in dua, now the day of Arafah is just limited time days, not 10 days and 20 days that a person has there. Doesn't even have 24 hours also. It's limited time. Leaving from Mina and then coming all the way So can we imagine the importance of dua in the life of a mu'min which Rasulullah himself being the mahboob of Allah ta'ala, being that personality who Allah ta'ala was showering upon him without him even asking. But yet, Nabi Islam spent so much of time in dua. ND 757065 Hyundai and D seven five seven oh six five white Hyundai. Please remove the view. So these are the many, many du'as that Rasulullah made on various occasions. Unfortunately, we don't give that kind of importance to du'a that we should be giving. Many a times there's some issue, some difficulty, some challenge. Our mind goes in everything else. Sometimes it might go last to du'a and sometimes doesn't go to du'a at all person will be looking for some solace and comfort in some situation, something has become quite a emotional setback for him, now he'll be looking for some solace and comfort in something or the other, we'll look for solace and comfort in everything else, but sometimes last and sometimes that mind doesn't even go to that, that the greatest solace and comfort is in talking to Allah Ta'ala. A person sometimes wants some comfort, so he looks for somebody to talk to. He talks to somebody and that's something we are required to do also. We are required to comfort the person. This is why there is so much of reward in ta'ziyat. Somebody has passed away. Now, obviously the immediate family, near and dear ones are grieved. So there is so much of reward in consoling the bereaved. That Rasulullah says, Man azza musaban, the person who consoles a bereaved person, now that bereaved person, the sabr that he is making on that bereavement, the sabr that he is, patience that he is bearing, the rewards of that are unlimited. His bearing those pangs of grief and he is making sabr over it. And as a result of that sabr, his rewards are unlimited. The person who came to console him, he can't feel his pain. He'll sympathize with him. He'll feel something, but he can't feel the reality. The reality, they say, Qabar ka hal to burda jane. What's really happening in the Qabar, only the person who's buried in there, he knows. And what's going on in somebody's heart, only he knows. What's going on in his heart, somebody else can just maybe get some idea, get some kind of, uh, just imagine something. But the reality, nobody else knows what the pain of somebody else's heart is. But somebody came along, said some words of consolation, said some words to comfort the person. Nabi Islam says he gets the same reward as this person on the summer he made.
Can we imagine the reward of that sabr? Because that pain he's feeling, that grief he's bearing, and he's making sabr on it. What rewards? Now here comes somebody to just give him some words of consolation, some words of comfort. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, The reward that that person got on his sabr, he'll get on consoling him. So, that's something that's taught to us in Deen. That we should take this, make this effort. Console somebody that is in some grief. Give some words of consolation, some words of comfort. Boost somebody's spirits. Somebody is feeling low and down. We say something that will now make him feel a little lighter. Try to do something that will comfort him. All these things are very fundamental lessons of Deen. So that's our responsibility. But at the same time, for ourselves to think about this and check within ourselves that when we wanted that comfort somewhere, we wanted that solace, we wanted some kind of support so we only looked for the support in people we looked for the support in Nas, in people but Rabbun Nas we forgot Rabbun Nas we forgot to take that solace by talking to Allah Ta'ala we spoke to people and we found some comfort and indeed Allah Ta'ala has made it such, that is why there is so much of reward in comforting somebody. But what comparison can that comfort be, that the comfort a person will get from speaking to Allah Ta'ala directly. And therefore Rasulullah taught us this. He went to Taif and what kind of treatment he received in Taif. We are familiar with the incident. The most unimaginable treatment was meted out to Rasulullah whereas this was a very customary thing in the Arabs of that time also that somebody comes who is a stranger, he comes as a guest then no matter who he is, they don't know him from anywhere but this was natural in them, the hospitality of the Arabs it was proverbial they would go out of their way to host the person who has come he's a passerby, he's a stranger, he's come as a guest they will give him whatever they can but here Rasulullah comes and the kind of treatment he's given how he is stoned and how he is, the children of the ruffians are put around him to chase him and all kinds of the most unimaginable, most terrible treatments to the extent that Rasulullah's body is flowing with blood it's beyond imagination in all these halat and conditions what happens thereafter and Nabi Sallallahu leaves this place and finally is away from all this whatever was being meted out to him he turns to dua very very famous dua Allahumma inni ashku du'fa quwwati wa qillata hilati wa hawani ala nas the lengthy dua that Rasulullah Sallallahu made commencing with Allahumma inni ashku ilayka du'fa quwwati Ya Allah I lay my complaint of my own weakness to you and the feebleness of my whatever abilities are I lay it to you what humility but now in this was all that comfort in talking to Allah wa ya Allah whatever happened ya Allah you are the controller of all this ya Allah where are you going to let me go ila man takiluni ila aduwin yatajahamuni ila am ila ba'idin mallaktahu amri illam takun bika ghadabun fala ubali Ya Allah, if you are not displeased with me, then none of this bothers me. Ya Allah, you must be pleased. Now, in this was the consolation, in this was the comfort. Unfortunately, we have abandoned this. 
We look for the comfort in everything but in talking to Allah wa ta'ala. So in any case, this is the lesson that we get out of the numerous du'as of Rasulullah wasallam. Any issue, any difficulty, any challenge, any hardship, no matter how small or how big, the solution should start off, the, the effort to find the solution, the effort to find the solution should start with du'a. That du'a sometimes might not be, we might not be in a time and place, where the dua can be made with all the adab and etiquettes of facing the qibla and raising the hands and the more of these etiquettes that are possible, the more that dua is enhanced that may not always be possible person now is in a situation where he has to uh, sort something out immediately and he's in the midst of people but the dua is such an ibadat Allah Ta'ala has made it so easy talk to Allah Ta'ala from the heart Connect the heart to Allah wa ta'ala and beg Him. Ya Allah, this is my situation. Ya Allah, you the control of everything. Ya Allah, you ease the situation for me. Ya Allah, you remove this difficulty from me. Ya Allah, you enable me to make the right decision. Talk to Allah wa ta'ala. So this is such an easy ibadat. But the crux of it, the essence of ibadat is dua. Yet so easy. No conditions of even that the person has to be in the state of wudu. He has wudu, it's all the more effective. But that too is not a condition, a precondition. So this dua, we need to start inculcating dua. And dua for ourselves, dua for our families. Sometimes there's some issue, person is complaining about the child, complaining about that wife, complaining about the husband, complaining about anyone and everyone. And we've complained to one person, and two people, and ten people. But we haven't yet made dua that, Ya Allah, you remove this difficulty. Ya Allah, you sort this matter out. Ya Allah, you grant that understanding to this child, to the spouse, whoever, that I should be dealt with correctly, or that this wrong behavior should stop. We did everything else, we forgot to make dua. Whereas it starts off with dua. So, Rasulullah his life was filled with dua. And he taught us dua. And those duas were one, it was his own humility that despite being the most beloved of Allah Taala, despite being masoom and sinless, despite having possessed the peak of every good quality and everything to perfection but it was his humility that he still begged Allah Taala for all these aspects that are mentioned in the various du'as at the same time this is ta'aleem for us the lesson to the ummah that you should be asking these are the things to be asked person asks many many things, we ask all our dunya, the things to first ask is deen, and the ni'mats of deen. So in this dua that was recited at the beginning, Nabi Wasallam makes this dua and teaching us what we should be asking for. Allahumma aghnini bil ilm. The second thing, wazayyinni bil hilm. And then waakrimni bil taqwa. And the fourth aspect was Jammilni bil Four aspects that are asked for in this dua. And if these four things have been atta- attained and achieved, a person's dunya and akhirat is made. These four things take care of everything that he needs in dunya and akhirat. So the first thing that is asked for here, Allahumma aghnini bil ilm. Ya Allah. Make me wealthy by means of granting me ilm, knowledge. Give me the wealth of knowledge. Knowledge, what knowledge? 
The knowledge that takes a person closer to Allah Ta'ala. The knowledge, the knowledge that takes a person to Jannat. That knowledge, that knowledge which Allah Ta'ala has revealed in the Quran Sharif, which Rasulullah has expounded through the Hadith Sharif. The source of the knowledge is that knowledge. So Allah grant me this ilm because without this ilm a person will be in jahalat. And in jahalat he cannot obey Allah wa ta'ala. He cannot recognize Allah ta'ala. He will be in complete darkness. In jahalat he cannot conduct himself correctly as a human being. Let alone conduct himself correctly as a Muslim. He will not even have insaniyat, humanity in him. Because of jahalat. But the ilm that Allah Ta'ala has revealed in the Quran Sharif and what Rasulullah Sallallahu has expounded in the Hadith Sharif let alone make a person an insan it brings him up to a point where even the angels envy him. That he becomes not just an insan he becomes such a perfect insan that even the angels envy him. And therefore in the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala addressed the malaika when the Malaika had once sort of raised the question that are you sending down to the dunya this insan? When Adam was being created, are you going to send insan into dunya? And you're going to create all this mischief and bloodshed? But when Allah Ta'ala granted ilm, Allah Ta'ala granted ilm to Adam alayhi salatu wasalam. Allah Ta'ala blessed him with knowledge. And the knowledge which even the malaika didn't have. And now that this became obvious, that this creation of Allah Ta'ala has been given virtue over the malaika also, by virtue of this knowledge and ilm, the ilm that comes from Allah Ta'ala. So this knowledge, there's no end to it. One is the level of the fundamentals. Sometimes we are even a little behind in even knowing all the fundamentals correctly. The fundamentals, every aspect that pertains to our day-to-day life, our taharat, our salah, the month of Ramadan comes, our fasting, hajj, qurbani, zakat. Then we are living, we are living with people, what kind of mu'asharat we are supposed to live, the knowledge of that. What kind of akhlaq we are supposed to have because we are insan and we are living with people, we are going to interact with others. You have to have the right akhlaq. So to have the knowledge of that akhlaq. The knowledge of ibadat, mu'amalat, mu'asharat, akhlaq. We are dealing every day that mu'amalat, what kind of mu'amalat we have? What kind of dealings do we have? Without the knowledge, neither will that dealing sometimes be even valid, it will be haram in fact. And even if it was within the ambit of halal, the manner in which we we'll go about it, it will drain all the barakat out. Because of jahalat. A person might find it like a very great praise and a very great accolade. Something like a great title for him. If the way he dealt with people, that people start regarding him as a shrewd businessman, he'll feel very happy about that. That how I dealt with people actually regarding me as a shrewd businessman. This has become a very great title for him now. 
Whereas being shrewd means that this person is a wheeler and dealer, he can buy and sell a person without the person knowing what happened to him. And he will deal in a way that he will deceive somebody and that person will think that he has done a favor. So now he has become very very smart. And now because somebody described him as a shrewd businessman, he might feel very proud about it. That's due to the jahalat. That what Rasulullah taught, for example, among the many many things, just one hadith sharif of Rasulullah where Nabi made dua, dua for some people. Now, if somebody gives us dua, some buzrug, some pious person, some Allah becomes such a great thing for us. MashaAllah, this person's dua I got. Can we imagine receiving the dua of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa making dua. Rahim Allah. May Allah's rahmat come upon such a person. Rahim Allah. Rajulan samhan. Iza ba'a wa iza shtara wa iza qtaba. Allah ta'ala have mercy on that person who's easy going. He's easy going when he's buying, when he's selling, when he's demanding payment. He's easy going. Not that he just throw everything away, but he's easy going. He's not somebody that will be very happy to be called a shrewd businessman. Or somebody that is proud to be able to drive a hard bargain all the time. And he managed to squeeze the last drop out of the next person. No, he's not happy about that. He's happy to be called an easy going person. Because this is the person that gains the dua of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rahimallahu rajulan samha. Allah ta'ala have mercy on this person who is easy going. Easy going in all these things. This easy going extends to everything beyond this also. In all aspects of day to day life. Obviously within the limits of shariat. So, now this ilm of akhlaq, this ilm of mu'amalat, this ilm of mu'asharat. If that ilm is not even there, the person won't even know that there's such a great thing about dealing in an easy-going manner. This is what Nabi Islam has said. This is the dua he has made. Now he didn't have that ilm of that. He didn't have that knowledge of it. So he felt that to be called a shrewd businessman was a great thing. Whereas that is the opposite of all this. So if this is where the dua comes, what will come on the opposite? Now because of jahalat, as a result of jahalat, Ignorance became something praiseworthy. And acting in an ignorant manner became praiseworthy. Whereas that cannot be praiseworthy in any way. So this ilm, this is how important this ilm is of all day-to-day aspects. So let alone the advanced knowledge, very deeper understanding of things, just the basics of life. And basics of life are not confined only to taharat and salah. That is the first thing in life. Because Salah is the most important Amal of Deen. And Salah without Taharat won't be accepted. So therefore this is the very first step. But then a person is living life all the time. He is doing so many things. He is buying, selling, interacting with people, living with his family. How does he go about all this? The ilm about it. Acquire the knowledge of it. wrote a beautiful kitab, Adabul Mu'asharat. The etiquettes of social life. Now an entire kitab on this. That this ilm is necessary for every single person. Because he's interacting with different kinds of people all the time. How to deal with them? What's the right manner? And because this is not just a preferable aspect. A person shirking in this will lose all his salah, zakat, fasting etc. to others on the day of Qiyamah. 
that he will shirk in Mu'asharat, he'll be oppressing people. When he oppresses people, he'll lose all his salah and fasting and tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif and tasbihat, everything will be dished out to others. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So, this is that message that is being given in this dua, to ask this dua, to make the effort then, to acquire that ilm. Go to the ulama kiram in our communities, ask, and all the relevant aspects that deal with us, ask them the masail. Learn from them, take some time, and acquire this basic knowledge at least. This basic knowledge of every department of life that pertains to us. Now there's a nikah that's coming up in our family, our child is getting married, something to learn about the Messiah that pertain to it. And how is this to be conducted? And there's a mayyad, there's a funeral in the house. Now that too is something to be learned in advance. Because that's not going to come by notice beforehand. That nikah there'll be some advanced preparation now. That now something has come up now, in one day's time, ten days time, there's going to be a nikah. But death will come any moment. So now to know if a person has passed away, what's to be done? How are we supposed to conduct ourselves in that time? So Allahumma aghnini bil ilm, this is the real wealth. The wealth of dunya, the material wealth, that is perishable. One minute is here, next minute is gone, it comes again. And that is going to benefit a person at the most in dunya. When he leaves, it's not going to come with him. But this ilm, ilm of hidayat, ilm of deen, this will benefit him throughout his journey of akhirat too. This is what will raise his stages in the akhirat. So Allahumma aghnini bil ilm. Then the second aspect that Rasulullah Aslam asked for in this dua was zayinni bil hilm. Allah, beautify me with hilm. This is a beautification. People go to beauty parlors. Let alone females, even males are going to beauty parlors. So now all the whole focus is how to adorn the external self. But a person can make his external self no matter how well he wishes to adorn himself. But if the inside is rotten, if the inside is not in order, then that external if a person covers some thing, some food that is decaying, covers it in a beautiful shiny foil or whatever it is, or puts it in a beautiful container, very shiny, bright container, how long is that going to deceive somebody? Sooner or later that smell will come out. Sooner or later someone is going to pick the lid up. And then it's going to be a big, big problem. Because that is just a very, that's just a container. What is inside is the main thing. The container is necessary, you're not going to put food, good food, in a dirty container either. The container is also important, but the container is not the main thing. The food is the main thing. So likewise, the inner self, that is the real person. Now all the focus is on adorning the external self, but the inside, so now this inside, the adornment of the inner self is akhlaq. That's the real adornment, and that shines out in every aspect of life then. It will shine out in how the person speaks, how he walks, how he deals, what is his reaction to situations, how he conducts himself when he is doing some deal, buying and selling something, how he deals with a problem, 
In every aspect this akhlaq will shine out. And when there is real darkness in a situation, this akhlaq will be the light that will give guidance. So Rasulullah is making dua, وَزَيِّنِّي بِالْحِلْمِ Ya Allah, you adorn me with hilm. Hilm, hilm is a part of akhlaq and a very great aspect of akhlaq. Grant me tolerance. Adorn me with tolerance, with hilm. This is not just one of those things. It's a very, very great thing. Such a great thing that in the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala praises it. That inna Ibrahim ala halimun awwahum munib. Ibrahim had numerous qualities. He was Khalibullah. Now numerous qualities, all the qualities to perfection. Every Nabi of Allah Ta'ala possessed everything to perfection. But then in perfection also there's levels. So now perfection and after perfection there's super perfection also. Rasulullah was at the peak of every perfection. But every Nabi of Allah Ta'ala had everything to perfection. Ibrahim Salaam, we cannot imagine what, what Allah Ta'ala blessed him with. Now, out of all that, certain things are highlighted. So, can we imagine a person now, his report is showing 100% in everything. But now something is showing 101%. That's going to be really highlighted. This is 101%. So, Allah Ta'ala is saying, Inna Ibrahim ala halimun, awwahum munib. Out of all the numerous qualities he had, Allah Ta'ala highlights top of the list, the halim, most tolerant. Can we imagine now what a great virtue this is? What a tremendously great quality this is in a person. And this is what guides him at every step of life. Especially in the times that we are in a very fast life. Everything is happening. Every moment so many things are happening. And with all the technology and everything, everybody has become super fast with everything. The microwave age, everything must happen in seconds. At the press of a button, you must see the result. So now, how this technology has now gone through, that everything is happening at a super fast pace, we expect now all the insan was also now con- conduct themselves in that same manner. And when we want something, it must happen in that same instant. And it doesn't happen in the way that we want it, then something doesn't come that way, it's a big problem. Now, this in every moment and then the kind of situation that we are in nowadays, everything turning so quickly around, more than at any other time, this is a time to develop helm. It's a time to develop helm. In this is a protection of a person's deen, a protection of his dunya, protection of his akhirat. Otherwise, if this helm is lost, if this helm is not there, then he'll cause tremendous harm in his dunya also. In that one moment of, that fleeting moment, he might end up breaking his marriage forever. He might cause such enmity with a close friend that that bond might never get built up for the rest of life. In that one moment he might break some family ties in such a way that it might take years to rebuild that relationship again. In that one moment he might cause losses of Allah knows best what magnitude in terms of his dunya. 
And that is the minor difficulty and the minor loss compared to the loss of deen and the loss of akhirat. In that moment of anger sometimes a person blurts out kufr, loses his deen and akhirat and dunya everything is gone. Lack of hell. This is a very very great virtue. And this is highlighted in so many ahadith of Rasulullah One incident that is mentioned in the ahadith that one person who was a very highly placed rabbi, Jewish rabbi, Zaid bin Su'na radiallahu ta'ala Nabi Islam came to Madinah Munawwara so he was now, because he had the knowledge of the previous scriptures and all the signs of Rasulullah that were mentioned he was aware of them so now he very closely scrutinized Rasulullah and he says I saw everything on his Mubarak face already that all the signs of this personality being the last and final Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, which were mentioned in the previous scriptures all this one look at his Mubarak face already that was already very clear and evident but he says two things were still unclear to me because that was based on interaction to know it, it was only something that you could test out. So now I needed to test this out. So now one day, he comes into the masjid. So Rasulullah is in the presence of Sahaba Ikram. There was an incident that led to this. He was looking for an opportunity to try and test this, what he is looking for. So on one occasion now he is waiting for this opportunity. Some sahabi comes to Rasulullah and he says this particular place, the people of my place, they had come into Islam, they are just new still and the severe drought has come upon them and they are now in the severe starvation and they still are so new, they haven't even come to Madinah Munawwara as such. I'm worried that they mustn't get shaky in their deen. But they are in this very desperate situation. If there's something that can be done to help them, so now they are starving, they are in this drought. So this person, Zaid bin Sona, was just standing close by, he overheard this, he quickly comes. He says, I am ready to, I want to buy some dates from you over a period of time. I'll collect the dates later, I'll pay cash now. So he fixed the dates, when he collect the dates. So Rasulullah did the deal, that fine, we'll supply the dates to him, now one month's time. And we got the money, now gave the money to this person to help them quickly. These loans used to be taken for these purposes. There are some incidents in the lives of Sahaba Ikram when some Sahabi passed away, they found huge debts that he left behind. But those debts were what? Those debts were for these kind of things. You won't find anywhere in the lives of Rasulullah and the Sahaba Ikram that there was a debt that was incurred for a luxury. No way you'll find it. Yes, debts were incurred for necessities. What necessity? It was like starvation. So for the starvation now, so a loan was taken and Nabi Islam took the loans too, to give the ummah that leeway. That otherwise it might become like, it's not permissible to take a loan. Nabi Islam took loans, but for needs. But there was never a loan taken for a luxury. So can we imagine where would that have concept ever existed taking a loan for a holiday? 
And then after that person comes back and he can't even pay. Because somewhere in some place it was written, fly now and pay later. So now he said, well fly now and we'll pay later. And when he comes back he can't pay. But it doesn't finish off. We can't pay in dunya, we'll pay later in akhirat. No debt just goes away. In the Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah says the Shaheed, the person who gets martyred. Can we imagine martyrdom? Every sin of his gets forgiven. But debts don't get forgiven. Debts will be still liable on him. And if he doesn't have anything to sort out, he's passed away, left nothing, on the day of Qiyamah he'll have to pay back. So, Nabi Islam said, okay fine, take this and go and help them out quickly. Now in the meantime, the days passed, two days before the due date. So it's not even due date yet. Now, two days before the due date, this person comes to Nabi Islam in the midst of Sahaba, and he comes and grabs hold of his clothing. And in a very rude manner, and in a very abrupt way, and very harshly, he says to Rasulullah won't you pay me my debt? And I know you, progeny of Abdul Muttalib, you always drag your feet in payment. I've dealt with you people. And he's saying all this, and he himself is relating the incident. He's saying, my eyes fell on Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab that his eyes were spinning in his sockets. And then he stared at me and said that, oh, enemy of Allah Ta'ala, are you having the audacity to deal with Nabi Islam in this manner? And to talk to Nabi Islam in this way? That had it not been that Nabi Islam is sitting right here, I would have smitten you with my sword. And when he says this to Zaid bin Sana, Nabi Islam addresses Hazrat Umar And in all this time, Nabi Islam is standing very calmly there. He has been manhandled. And he has been spoken to in this very harsh manner, in the presence of Sahaba Ikram. And Nabi Islam is very calm. Very composed. And on top of that, he addresses Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala that Ana wa huwa kunna ahwaja ila ghayri hadha. That I and him, both of us, we need, more in need of something other than what you just said now. Now you are reprimanding him and shouting at him and screaming at him. Both of us were more in need of something else. Now can we imagine the humility of Rasulullah sallallahu the due date hasn't come yet. This person is making this demand before time. But what is the reaction? Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying to Hazrat Umar Radiallahu Alaihi Both of us were in need of something different. You should have advised me bi husnil ada. That why don't you pay him? Give him his money nicely. The due date hasn't come. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam advised me also. Advised me that pay in a nice way. In other words now he's asking for his money, give it to him. Whereas the due date hasn't even come. And you should have asked him and advised him that fine, he wants his money, but ask in a nice manner. Ask for it, no problem, but ask in a correct way. So that is what you should have done. You should have advised me also, and advised him also. Advised me to pay in a good way, advised him to ask in a nice manner. Not how you carry on. Now you go take him, and whatever is due to him, so now whatever might have come already, you give him his due and give him 20 sa, like approximately now about 10 kilos more. Give him 10 kilos more in lieu of what you did to him now. 
that you frighten him that I'll kill you, you now go give him 10 kilos more in view of that. So any case of Umar Allah takes him and goes, perhaps he didn't hear the last part, and he goes and he weighs whatever was due to him, gives it to him, then he's giving him the 10 kilos extra, so he asks what is this 10 kilos extra for? So he explains that this is what happened, Nabi Salaam said to me that, now I frightened you and I threatened you that I will kill you and so on. In lieu of that I must give you this 10 kilos extra. So now that this was said to him, he asked Umar radiallahu you know who I am? He said, who are you? He said, I am Zaid bin Sona. He says, you? You are the rabbi? He says, yes, I am the same person. I am the rabbi. He was among the Jews a very highly placed rabbi. So now he's supposed to be a very cultured person, being a person of that uh, standing in his community. So he says, but you and this kind of conduct, what is this? Where does this fit in? You are supposed to be a cultured person, basic humanity, and you came and conducted yourself in this very despicable manner. How does this fit in? So he says, well, I actually was looking for something. And in the scriptures of the past, among the things of Rasulullah that I saw, among the signs, that his tolerance will always precede the word that is used is jahl, which means his intolerance. In other words, the sum total of it is, he'll never be intolerant. His tolerance will always be above everything. And then further, وَلَا يَزِيدُهُ شِدَّةُ الْجَهْلِ إِلَّا حِلْمًا and the more somebody will be ignorant and acting in an ignorant manner with him, the more he will increase his tolerance. And saying this, he said, I've seen this also, I'm making you a witness. رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّا وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينَا وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ رَسُولًا I bring Iman and I'm testifying in front of you that I have brought Iman in Allah being my Rabb and Islam being my Deen and Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam being my the messenger and the soul, and then Hazrat Umar brings him to Rasulullah sallam and explains the whole situation, what actually happened, and he brings the iman again and shahadat. But what attracted him? What? It was a tolerance. And this was among these outstanding things which we already mentioned about Rasulullah sallam in the previous scriptures. Now, this is unfortunately that we have lost out on. So this, this is that helm, this is that zenith, this is that adornment, this is a tube, true beautification. A person is in an ugly environment, he feels very miserable. It can be very, very, all the most expensive things can be around, but it's just very unkempt, ugly, very dirty situation. So no matter what wealth might be all strewn around there, but he's going to feel very uncomfortable. Because nobody likes to be in an ugly place. Nobody likes to be in an unkempt, dirty place. And even if it is simple, but it is beautiful, he already feels happy to be there. That garden of beauty, etc., whatever. So the real beauty is akhlaq. Now if there's akhlaq in a home, even if there isn't trimmings and trappings of dunya, but people of their home are living with akhlaq. People of their home may not have all the wealth and luxuries that others have. But they have the beauty of akhlaq, the adornment of akhlaq. 
then there will be comfort in that home. The comfort of the heart, which is the real comfort. There will be peace and happiness. Happiness? Happiness doesn't come from things. Things might make a happy person feel more comfortable. But if that person is not happy, those things can't give him anything. It will be tasteless. An unhappy person can be eating the best of food, it will be tasteless. An unhappy person is sleeping on the best bed and is restless. A person who is happy, that ni'mat also might make him feel more comfortable. Alhamdulillah, he'll enjoy that too. He'll make sugar on it. But the primary thing is the happiness of the heart. And the happiness of the heart comes from these adornments. Person is trying to make himself happy with external beauty. The real thing that will bring happiness is the internal beauty. He's learning how to live with others in a manner that he's living with akhlaq, living with forgiveness, living with overlooking. That makes him, makes others feel happy. It will make him feel happy. The Hadith Sharif, which we have discussed many, many times, Man kazama ghayran wa huwa qadirun ala infadihi mala Allahu qalbahu amnan wa imana. The person who suppresses his anger where he could have vented it. He is suppressing anger, this is akhlaq. Akhlaq doesn't mean he won't feel angry. Akhlaq is he is suppressing it, he can suppress it. He has that ability to suppress it. That strength he has built up, that strength of akhlaq. So what will be the end result of it? Now one is he suppressed that anger, it created peace around him. Because if he vented it, there will be chaos around him. Right. There are certain occasions where that anger might be even necessary, but not the anger that how a person just loses control of himself. That anger which is within limits of shariat and deen, where the laws of Allah Ta'ala have been trampled, where the shariat is being violated, there might be a need for anger in such an occasion. Because something has been thought once, twice, now there's a need to set the record right, to set the matter straight. But for dunya, and for material things, and for all the trivial issues, Nabi Islam never ever got angry for it. So now the person didn't vent that anger to start off with those around him, they are at peace. But what happens to him? Mala Allahu qalbahu amnan wa imana. He suppressed this for Allah Ta'ala's pleasure, not for anything else. For Allah Ta'ala's pleasure. Allah Ta'ala will fill his heart with amnan wa imana, with peace and Iman. Can you imagine? Peace and Iman. What more a person wants? He has his Iman and he's got his peace in dunya. He's got everything. But where it came from? It came from the beauty of Akhlaq. The Akhlaq of learning how to suppress anger. This is beauty. This is where the tranquility and peace comes from. So yes, the challenges in dunya, all kinds of things happen. We are in this fast moving world. And every day there's different situations, and there's different challenges at every step, wherever. But every person in any sphere of life, the father with his children, the husband with his wife, the wife with her husband, the parents with their children, the person as a neighbor, a person in his work, a person as a teacher, a person in any sphere of life. Among the things that we are greatly in need of and very desperately in need of at every moment, every day is tolerance. And to the extent we build this up, 
we'll find that peace within ourselves and we'll become a source of peace and happiness for others also. Hazrat Ali there's one statement of his that is mentioned that the person who doesn't have the patience to listen to one thing, meaning somebody said something to him, but he doesn't have the patience to just bear it and just digest it. He must react to it. So he didn't have the patience to listen to one. The result will be, he didn't want to listen to one, he had to react. He'll end up listening to a whole lot of things. Had he just digested that one, okay, what was said to me now? Let it go. He won't hear much more. Otherwise, he also said one, but now in retaliation he said one, he'll now hear 101. But now if he had the tolerance, and then he addressed the issue in the way that is meant to be addressed, sorted the matter out, thought what has to be thought, advised what advice has to be given. Tolerance doesn't mean that a person will not teach what is correct. Tolerance does not mean that a person will not discipline. There is a need to discipline. If the child is not behaving in the correct way and he's been advised once, twice, you see, he's not going to be very tolerant, let him do what he wants to do. So then, if that's the way that he will carry on, the Allah forbid way he will finish off. So there's a need for even disciplining the child, but not in anger. After the anger is over, what's the right thing to do and the right way to go about it? That will be considered. And then the right steps will be taken. So in any case, this is part of this very, very essential akhlaq and other aspects that have been mentioned in this dua wa akrimni bi taqwa ya allah grant me honor with taqwa the only honor is the honor of taqwa inna akramakum indallahi atqakum the most noble in the sight of allah ta'ala is the person with the greatest taqwa inna ma yataqabbalullahu minal muttaqin allah ta'ala accepts from those who adopt taqwa they live with taqwa and wa jammilni bil afiyah ya allah give me the beauty of afiyat afiyat a person is safe from difficulties, calamities, hardship. He's safe from trials and tribulations in his deen. Afiyat in his deen. And afiyat in his dunya as well. Allah Ta'ala bless us with all these great na'mads. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil Tabarakawa <laughs> La ilaha illallah la ilaha illallah la ilaha illallah la ilaha 
ஹம்தும் <laughs> ربنا غلبنا انفسنا غلبنا انفسنا غلبنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعف وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم انك انت الاعز الاكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين والحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم ثبتنا على الايمان وامتنا على الايمان واحشرنا يوم القيامه مع الايمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم حبب الينا الايمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره الينا الكفر والفسوق والعصيان واجعلنا من الراشدين اله العالمين يا الله ومز مسفول موس غيشس موس كاين موس لافيك الله اله العالمين يا الله bounties are showering upon us every moment ya allah countless ni'mat we benefit from every moment ya allah despite all your innumerable and countless bounties ya allah ya allah we've been so ungrateful ya allah ya allah we've used your bounties to break your commands ya allah ya allah how shameless we were ya allah ilahul alamin how ungrateful we were ya allah ilahul alamin ya allah but today we are making sincere tawbah ya allah we are begging your forgiveness ya allah ya allah you forgive us ya allah forgive us ya allah forgive all our major and minor sins ya allah forgive the sins of the day and night ya allah forgive the sins we did deliberately and mistakenly ya allah ilahul alamin ya allah forgive us ya allah forgive our families ya allah forgive our friends and relatives ya allah forgive the entire ummah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam allahumma ighfir li ummati sayyidina muhammadin sallallahu alaihi wasallam allahumma arham ummata sayyidina muhammadin sallallahu alaihi wasallam allahumma aslih ummata sayyidina muhammadin sallallahu alaihi wasallam allahumma farrij al-kurab an ummati sayyidina muhammadin sallallahu alaihi wasallam ilahul alamin grant us and the entire ummah the tawfiq of those amal that bring down your rahmat ya allah allah save us and the entire ummah from such amal that bring down موسیقی 
الله العالمين يا الله grants afiyat ya Allah الله العالمين يا Allah all the good that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam الله العالمين enable us to adopt it ya Allah whatever he has warned us against ya Allah all the evils and vices that he has warned us against ya Allah الله العالمين save us from all this ya Allah الله العالمين يا Allah make us among your grateful servants ya Allah save us from using your ni'mats against your commands ya Allah الله العالمين يا Allah Allah guide us to your pleasure at all times ya Allah Bless us with the best akhlaq ya Allah. Bless us with the best muasharat and muamalat ya Allah. Ilahul alamin ya Allah. Allah make us such servants ya Allah. And such believers ya Allah. That our actions becomes a dawah to others ya Allah. Ilahul alamin ya Allah. Ya Allah we have become an obstacle to people coming into deen ya Allah. We have become a means of turning people away from the mubarak deen ya Allah. Ilahul alamin we have become such great criminals in this regard ya Allah. Ilahul alamin forgive us ya Allah. Bless us with that akhlaq ya Allah. Bless us with that muasharat and muamalat ya Allah. that everyone around us is comforted ya allah that people who are without iman are attracted to iman ya allah ilahul alamin ya allah all those are sick give them shifaa kamila ajila mustamira daima allah remove every trace of their ailments ya allah ilahul alamin ya allah those in financial difficulties remove it afiyat ya allah ilahul alamin whatever anxiety depression worry grief sorrow Anybody is suffering, Ya Allah. Allah, out of your grace and mercy, Ya Allah, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Fill the hearts with peace and serenity, Ya Allah. Fill the hearts, hearts with sukoon and itminan, Ya Allah. Yulahul alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all those who have passed away, make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Raise their stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, the time of our death, take us with la ilaha illallah. Muhammadur Rasulullah. Ya Allah, take us with iman and kamil, Ya Allah. Take us on Tawbat and Nasuhu, Ya Allah. Allah, take us in a time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah. Yulahul alameen, make our qabr's gardens of Jannah for us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, raise our... Ya Allah, grant us a shafat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, grant us Jannatul Firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Yulahul alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, unite the hearts of the Ummah, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of families, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of spouses, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of parents and children, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of brothers and sisters, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of families, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of communities, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of the Ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Yulahul alameen, Ya Allah. Whatever good has been asked for, Ya Allah, bless us with it, Ya Allah. Whatever we should have asked for and did not ask, Ya Allah. Granted without even having asked for it, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nasaluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين